0: Well, good morning. I uh, recently was on uh, a vacation with my wife, just the two of us, which is a rare uh, treat. And um, as we were on vacation, we went to a place, uh, it was a trip that was through her business, an incentive trip. And and so a lot of people that she worked with uh, were at this place with us. And one of the things I'm always reminded of that the Lord keeps uh, teaching me is is I think I'm going on vacation to enjoy and to relax and to get away from it all. And uh, every year I keep learning that that's not who God is. That God is not a God of vacation. Uh, God is not a God of retirement. Uh, That God is always uh, working in our lives to use us uh, in the lives of this broken world. And so every time I go on these trips with my wife, uh, God uh, wants to use us mightily uh, in the lives of these people that we come across. On this particular occasion, we were having dinner with several couples. And and one of the couples that we sat across from was uh, sharing their life with us. A beautiful couple. They had been married for uh, 23 years. And it was just a delight to hear their story and what they appreciated about each other. I always ask that, you know, what is it that you love about your spouse? And uh, after 23 years, how do you keep holding on? Came to find that they love Jesus Christ. And uh, really, it was just a delight to get to know them. And as the uh, story went on, uh, the gal said, the wife said, you know, there's something that that, uh, we haven't told you yet about our life, which was... um, I actually was married before this. Uh, When I was 23 years old, uh, I got married. And six months after I got married, my husband uh, was hit by a drunk driver and he died. And uh, the pain of that in my life and not understanding what God was doing uh, in my life, uh, really centered in a tailspin and really trying to hold on to God in the middle of an incredible trial. And she says, you know, God just really met me where I was, and God did a work in me that has made me be, become a more passionate woman, uh, a woman who has compassion for people who are hurting. You know what her job is today, other than she does uh, a little bit of this business, is she, uh, she actually works for uh, uh, the State Department in handling all of the DUI uh, traffic uh, violations and processing the people that are going through those. That's her ministry. And God has done an amazing work in her life. And as I heard her story, you know, one of the things that I realized, and one of the things that you and I both realized as we, as we uh, sang this last song, This Is My Story, is that we realized that, you know what, we all do. We have a story, each and every one of us. And, and our stories are full of tests and trials that God puts us through. Each and every one of us. And we really, as we dig into each other's lives, uh, may we see the glory of God, what he's doing in us uh, through this process in our lives. As we look at James this morning, we're going to see right off the bat that he's calling us to a lifestyle of rejoicing in the Lord, a lifestyle of holiness, even amidst the struggle, even amidst the trial. And, And a lot of us really don't like reading this book. Uh, Because you go, James, you know, you're just not living in the real world. You just don't understand what I'm going through. James was brother of Jesus. And it's interesting, as he starts the book, he doesn't say, I'm James, brother of Jesus. He says, James bond sermon of Jesus Christ. James was known uh, in church history to be one of the key leaders in the church of Jerusalem. And history also indicates that he was constantly preaching the love of his brother, Jesus Christ. And that many were coming to know and coming into a saving faith through Jesus Christ. And as those in the, the temple and the Pharisees and those who hated Christianity or anything to do with it, the, the history indicates that he, as he was teaching, he was thrown down in the court. And he was stoned to death. And again, many came to know Jesus through the ministry of James. James knew tribulation. James knew persecution. James knew trials of many kinds. And so he wants to encourage us in the Lord this morning as we, as we look at his book to hold on, to become people who are truly moving towards holiness, meaning that we are set apart in our lives for Jesus Christ, for God. We sang the song that, God, you are holy. The scripture says, because I am holy, you too be holy. You too, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have your lives set apart unto me. Even amidst when a husband is killed in a drunk driving accident. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. Turn there, if you haven't already, to... The book of James, A Lifestyle of Holiness. And I really think it's practical, honest, Christian living. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't uh, play around. I think he really wants to teach us, again, how to be obedient to Jesus Christ. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be like him? I hope you and I do. I hope that's what we're about. That our God who has saved us from the pit of sin, who has brought us into a life of of holiness, a life that has been freed from sin, a life that is no longer our own, that is bought with a price. I hope we are living to please him, to live for him. And so what James is saying is, I know that's who you are. I know you want to live to follow the Lord. And so one of the things that we need to take a look at, that we we look in the mirror at, is we say, what does my life in Christ become like when I face trials, when I face these tests that sometimes are incredibly hard? What does it look like for me as a follower of Jesus to persevere through that? And the truth that James speaks to us is that trials will be part of our life. It is what matures us. It is what matures us. We can't escape it. None of us are immune from it. And again, we often wish we were. But that's not a lifestyle living in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not a lifestyle where God is sanctifying us, again, a process that we are going through, of growing up. We all want to grow up. I see it in my children all the time. Josh keeps going, Dad, when can I play tackle football? Well, Josh, you're six, you've got to wait a few more years. Yeah, but I want to play now. I know you want to play now. You're going to grow up, you're going to get there. You've got to learn a few things along the way, before you play tackle. We're all desiring to grow up. And I hope that's your case. They're going, Lord, I want to be more like you. I mean, truly, that's the prayer of our heart. Lord, I want to follow in a way that you're pleased with my life. Thank you for saving my life. And now I live for you. Again, the scriptures say, when you face trials, and I love the the word uses, it says, when you face trials of many colors. And that's what's true, right? They come in all shapes and sizes. It could be a a betrayal of a friend, and so we're trying to process through that. It could be this incredible physical illness that just consumes us and just devastates our lives. It could be a financial uh, difficulty where we're just wondering how we're going to pay the bills. They are various colors, but we all are going through them. And that's one of the things as a body of Christ, you know, as we enter in with each other. That's one thing you can be assured of is, hey, tell me your story. Because I know that God is maturing you because that's what he's all about. And so tell me how God is maturing you. I just actually sat down. I was at a coaching clinic. I'm going I'm to be a head football coach this year. And, and uh, I was at a clinic yesterday and I ran into a brother who I hadn't seen in a long time. And uh, his wife is going through uh, just an incredible bout of cancer, and and they're just not quite sure what the outcome is going to be. And he just started to share these stories of just what God is doing in the middle of it. Obviously, he loves his wife, he's begging that God will spare her life, as we all are. But he's going, You know, Rod, this is what God's been teaching me, just about his faithfulness to me and to my wife. And he goes, You know, it's amazing, my parents aren't believers. They've actually hated God for a long time. And we went to have dinner there the other night, and uh, my dad, who's never prayed in his whole life, he goes, you know, I'd like to, to pray. And you just go, man, God's blessings and God's work in the middle of this, this tragedy and this hardship. And yet James is saying, I want you to see God at work right in the middle of it. We never make light of it, but we never forget that God is right there, right there. And he's doing an incredible work in things that we can't even see in lives, that he's touching as we hold on to the Lord, begging God to give us strength through his Holy Spirit to make it through. And the way that that not only impacts us as we receive God's touch, but also as others watch us hold on to God in the middle of this journey that we call Christianity. And it really was encouraging for me to hear God's good work. You're going to face trials of many colors, not when, when, not if. And he says, I want you again to to consider it. It really, it's basically saying... Don't waste the pain. Don't, don't miss the trial. I want you to consider in your mind what's happening right now. I want you to take time to go, what is God doing with my life? What is God trying to show me through this? Because I know he wants to take this situation and redeem it to make it of a godly nature. You know, we live in this broken, sinful world, don't we? I mean, sicknesses happen to us just because we live in a sinful, broken body. Bad things happen to us. It's just a a crummy world we live in. And God says, I want to redeem that, and I can take that situation, and I can use it to mature your life in me. And so consider that. Don't just let it go by. Don't try to actually escape it. Don't try to to relieve yourself from the pain of that. But to enter in fully, face on with God and say, God, what do you have for me in this? Because I know you are doing a work in my life. I know that. And so consider it pure joy. Again, that's the part that we really struggle with. Oh Lord, how do we do that? Again, James, you're just headed down the wrong path here. And I think the only way we can do it is that we, as we consider, we go, I know the one who is perfecting me. I know the author of this test in the middle of this situation. I know there is a loving God who truly does, as we, you know, again, I always use my children because I go, the way I love my boys is is just a, a little, you know, little ounce compared to this incredible love that God has for us as his children and so I know that I want the best for my kids I know that I want them to have good life and so we have to go God's got so much more for us I know the author of this test I know he's trying to grow me up in him I know he's making me more into his image and the truth is we will share in his sufferings scriptures promise that again Peter goes why are you surprised this is part of our Christian life. And I hope we don't escape it. I hope we don't just walk away and try to avoid what God is trying to do. And, and, and we miss the, 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 the work in his life where he is testing us. He is not only, the scriptures say that he's testing us so that it has the idea of you're not only tested, but you're approved. You've made it. You've passed the test. Don't we need to know that sometimes? Yeah, I went through a lot of junk, and yet I held on to the Lord. I didn't bail on God. I didn't curse God because, you know, I thought he was my enemy. I held on. I said, Lord, I don't get you. I don't know what you're doing. I want to know. And then he brings you to the stage of testing, and he says, Ah, you did well, my son. I'm well pleased. And then we move on to the next stage of maturity. And guess what? More tests. More trial. It's part of life. I don't think we have to look behind us and go, okay, what's next? I don't think we live in fear of that. But I do think we go, okay, Lord, I know you're in the process of making me more like you. So when it comes, you know, you're my rock. And I will hold on to you. Because I know you're trying to make me more like you. I know that you're developing my faith. I know that you are wanting me to be approved. You are doing this. You are, you are developing me so that I know that you are the one who is glorified in my life. I'm like a wonderful piece of pottery, stamped and approved. And God is working in us and we, we get a seed that we can move on. You know, I think of these guys who have trained and, and ridden in the Tour de France all the time. And if you think about it and you think of our journey of this, this continual we're riding in this tour and you go, you know what? Every year when you ride in that tour uh, you hit the mountain stage. Every year. And the truth is of all those guys who train they train for that stage. They know it's the most difficult. And they know it's coming. I think that's the way we live life. And so as we're riding through it We go, I know what this is about. I prepared for this. I know what it looks like to ride through this. And I know that I've made it before. And I know I can make it again through the power of God in my life. Because he's with me in this. And so we ride this race. And we hit those mountains. And we we struggle going up sometimes developing in us, testing us, approving us. Consider it pure joy, this deep, rich, abiding life in Christ. A joy that I know that God has my life. A joy that I know that there's more to life than just this. Not this fleeting happiness, a deep, abiding joy. A sense of peace and a sense of awe of who God is. A sense of his work in us. He tests us. And in that test, there is, again, always the choice. You know, we feel sometimes like God is throwing a curveball at us and it hits us in the leg. And you know, like many a baseball game, you have a couple choices. You can rush the pitcher and the whole team clears the benches. Say, how dare you throw a curveball at me? And I will attack back. And sometimes we go there, don't we? It becomes real bitterness. I'm not deserving of this. Why am I going through this? And we attack the mound. And or we take the hit and we take a step ahead to first base. And we say, I'm getting closer to home. Part of this process of ours. We go through it there's a choice. You know, this dear woman I talked to you about on this vacation, she goes, you know what, Rod, it um, took me a while, but about, about a year later I went to jail to see the guy who killed my husband. And uh, I just want to let him know I forgive him. He's a 25-year-old military guy. He was just out drinking with the military guys. Stupid young kid. Killed the guy. Change the rest of his life. Because I just want him to know he's forgiven. That was a choice. The choice you can say is, God, I can't believe you took my husband and life is unfair. But the choice is, God, you're trying to do something in my life and you're trying to call me into holiness, into a lifestyle that is obedient to you. Will you choose what God asks of you in this situation? And God was calling upon her to To go offer forgiveness because what God was teaching her was that I'm totally forgiven. What God was teaching her is maybe this young man needs to know that there is salvation. And so she went and she offered that. That perseverance, that steadfastness, that's solid, it's firm. The scriptures again remind us that we are growing, we are becoming more mature. That same word is perfect. We are becoming perfect, maturing in Christ. We are brought to the end, the finished work, sanctifying work in us. We're never going to be completely perfect until the kingdom, right? We all know that. At least I hope you know that. You know, there's this work that keeps going on in our lives. And so God is doing this. He says, I want you to, to, to go through this, that you develop this perseverance in your life, your life, this endurance. So that you become mature, complete, not lacking in anything. That all of this comes from God, that you are filled with the Lord. I don't want you to escape this. I want you to to run this race and keep running it. You know, it reminds me of of a good marriage that has gone through the test, right? My parents just last July celebrated uh, 50 years. And many of you in this room have, have celebrated 50 years. And, you know, the one thing that you know and the thing that's so cool when I hang out with my parents now is that they, as they talk about each other's lives, it's really fun because they talk about actually uh, what they've seen in each other and how they've grown. And, and my mom's like, your dad is really softened, you know, he kind of had a hard edge to him for a lot of years. And just how he literally does this pretty much every morning that they're together, gets up because he's an early riser. And he, gets, he makes her breakfast, gets her a coffee and, and a little scone or something, and brings it to her in bed every morning. Every morning. That's not a joke. Just loves my mom that way. You know? Pressure on you guys, I know. <laughs> Your wives are like, come on, honey. Get with the program. <laughs> no, and it is, but... It, and, and, uh, My dad just talks about the beauty of my mom, how she ministers to people and and her gentle touch. And and I go, you know, here's the reality of my mom and dad's marriage, like you're in my marriages, right? Uh, There are days, and man, it's hard. And you go, how did I get into this deal? And they had the same. But if they had bailed on each other, and if we bail on one another, if we say, I'm walking, I've had enough of this marriage. You know what? Honestly, we miss. We miss the beauty of what God intended. This maturity in our marriage, this intimacy that goes deeper than you could ever imagine. A love that's just, you know, it's not this young love that's just kind of surfacy, but this deep, incredible love. You get to see the goodness in each other, the goodness of God. You get to see God work through the junk that you never thought he could work through. That's what we miss if we try to escape the trial, the test. And I know for you and for me, I want that. I want that deeper intimacy. That's what God's doing in us. You understand when we make it through, we have a deeper intimacy with Jesus. That rock becomes much more solid, doesn't it? I stood on it. It was my only strength. And he kept his promises to me. This marriage... Truly is becoming deeper and more beautiful. He's trying to make us into beautiful people. Do you understand that? Like him. And so we go through the test, we go through the trial. And James is encouraging encouraging us to to stay the course. Don't give up. I'm molding you, I'm making you into my character that, that you are receiving his peace and his rest and his joy and his hope. And he's our fulfillment. I'm hungry, and only you satisfy, O Lord. And we do indeed share his sufferings as we walk through this. You know, sometimes as we go through, and again, as I was talking with my brother yesterday about his his wife that has been battling cancer, he goes, you know, Rod, some days there's just, I really don't know what to do. Sometimes he goes, man, I, I go all kinds of different places. Sometimes I go... I wish she had a different type of cancer that was more curable. You know, I I wish that was this. And and I I don't even know where to go with this sometimes. I'm trying to hold on to God. And so James speaks to that. When we're right in the middle of it and we're going, huh? I I don't even know where to step. I'm not quite sure how to do this. James goes on and reminds us, because I lost my page here. Says this: If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must not—he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And that man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. He's unstable and all. That he does. He says, "When you go through this and you don't know what to do, that you ask the Lord." You know, when I was uh, first interning here at, uh, at Cole Community Church, uh, the uh, David Roper and Brian Fisher at the time they like, "Hey, listen, part of this program is that we want you to only work twenty hours a week." I was working full time as a manager of this uh, as a marketing telemarketing deal. And um, they said, we want you to only work 20 hours a week. And I'm like, wow, okay. Um, you know, I want to go into ministry. So I went and talked with, uh, with the president of the company, and I said, hey, um, love this company. Would like to keep doing this with you. Um, can we work it where I can work 20 hours a week? And they said, sure, let's, let's give it a try. And uh, so about a month after that, uh, the president calls me in. And he's like, this isn't working out. We're going to have to let you go. And it was like immediate. Like, just isn't working out. Can't do 20 hours. And that was it. Lost job. I didn't have anything. You know, I'm a newly married guy. I'm starting ministry. And I really was going... You, I mean, you do, you kind of, you want to rush the mound. Like, Lord, you're calling me into ministry. My job's gone. But This isn't a good deal. I was making money over here. And now I have nothing. And, and you end up kind of going, huh? And I think that's what James is calling us to. He's saying, if you lack wisdom, if you lack this insight from the Lord, later on it it goes and it talks about wisdom that's from God. It's it's peaceable, it's pure, and and, uh, it's a lifestyle that has this purity of God seeking out His wisdom. So I did. I'm like, okay, Lord, what do you have for me in the middle of this? Uh, This is a real bummer right now. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Kina was working as a waitress at Chart House, so her income was... Hopefully a good tip, you know. Um, so his wisdom to me was, Rod, I just want you to go and get any job. I just want you to work. That's what God kept speaking to me. Just work, and I'll provide for you. I ended up uh, hooking up with uh, ServPro, a carpet cleaning company, and uh, that's what I did for my internship uh, while I ministered and studied, and I cleaned carpets. And you want to talk about humbling. That's a, you know, I, go, I thought I had a college, you know, degree, and uh, did all this uh, study, and uh, it really was, it was kind of a minimum wage, it was just work. But then there's whole other stories about the ministry that went on at ServePro, which was, you know, unbelievable. Everywhere we go, right, we work unto the Lord, and God's just got this plan, but I really did, I go, Lord, I don't know what to do now. I don't know how we're going to make it. And, And there's always, you know, there's always, people are just, I don't know how people find out about these things, but they know you're hurting. And, you know, there's a little check under the door. And it's like, you know, God, amazing, amazing. I know you don't know how to get through this situation, so ask me for wisdom. Ask me what, what I have of you. And he says, I don't want you to be double-minded. When you ask, you've got to believe. It's not, it's not an honest wrestling with the Lord, okay? It's not when we sit there and truly we struggle and we're like, Lord, I, I just don't get this. You know, we doubt sometimes how it's all going to work out. It's too sold. Your soul is split. And he's saying, listen, I don't want you to uh, have this lifestyle that you ask, but really, when I ask you to do something, what you're really saying is, yeah, you may ask me to do something, but I'm not really going to do it. Don't ask with this this knowing in your heart that, yeah, you you may want me to call to obedience over here, but I'm not really ready to follow that saying if you ask like that, you're, you're tossed about. But ask. Let God do that work in your life. Come to him with wisdom. Asking for wisdom. And his promise is that he will step in. I will provide for you. It's an overflowing abundance. And he does so, he says, he, he doesn't sit there and he doesn't point the finger at you. He doesn't mock you for not getting it is what the Lord is teaching us through James. I don't sit here and accuse you. I don't sit here and make fun of you as though I expect you to be fully mature. I always tell people, you know, again, you have to, you have to allow people to grow up. And God does the same. He knows that we're going to fumble along the way. And so he says, don't be too souled, Be one who is... Trusting that I'm going to do a work and his promises that I do and I follow through. And then he goes on and he talks about, you know, again, as we're walking in, the desire is to move towards obedience, right? To move in a lifestyle where we are holy. And as James goes on, he starts to bring up situations. I call them roadblocks along the way. And there are things that get in our way of moving closer to God. And one of those things that we're going to run into is, is money, material things. It's we're desiring and we're making progress and we're growing closer and, and we want to follow Jesus and we're, we're trying to hold on. And then James dives in a little bit here and he says, now listen, I want you to ask for wisdom in all these things. Then he goes on, the brother in humble circumstance ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant and its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed in the same way and in the same way the rich will fade away even while he goes about doing his business blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to him who love Him. He's saying, again, you're journeying along this way. And one of the things that's going to stand in the pathway is money, material things. And you and I have to deal with it every day, don't we? We're going, God, I'm moving towards holiness. I, I'm wanting to, to live for you. See, both the rich and the poor can be drawn away from the Lord by a love of money. Both of us, no matter what our circumstances. And so he's wanting us to take a closer look into how we handle money. He says, You see, the poor can be rich. They can take pride in that because they see what is truly bringing sustenance and what is really rich in their lives. That money doesn't bring the rich in the resources of God. I was talking with the Alexanders. Uh, they came and. Had some uh, dinner with us after they got back from Guatemala, and one of the things that that Laura brought up was, man, just amazing, you know. They they the Christians there they invite you into their home. They they feed you a full meal which they can barely you know even eat themselves, and the whole time is just full of the joy of the Lord. You don't see you don't see oh my goodness you know how am I going to make it tomorrow. They're enjoying the moment with the money that God gave them to just have enough to to provide for their guests. Trusting that God will meet their daily bread needs for tomorrow. And she said it was so rich. You know, we miss that, don't we? We miss that relationship sometimes, that connection, that just trusting God for everyday needs. So she says you can take pride in that. You can have life in that. That is what is rich. Money, for the rich, if we love it, it impoverishes us. We look to it for power. We look to it for security. Often, those who have money look to the finance to get them out of the test that they're facing. I don't want to deal with this, and so I will, in a sense, buy my way out. And I have the means to do so. Take pride in your low position, recognizing... That wealth fades as quickly as the flowers and the scorching sun. And we've lived that out in these last 100 degree you know days. We know that. It was beautiful yesterday. Boom. It's gone. It is scorched. And he's saying, so recognize that. And so you can take pride in that. That, that you have this view that, you know what, this money is all from God. It can just fleet like this. It, it may come. But I think for all of us, that what James is challenging us to is take a look at what our view is of, of how we handle money. What does God have for us in the money that he gives us? Again, remembering that it is all his. Remembering that it belongs to him. And so, are we at a place where we let loose? Where we say, God, what do you have for me in this check that you just gave me? Yeah, I know you think it's all about you and your work. No, it's all from God. You gave me this check. What do you have for me for your kingdom? What do you want me to do with it? In poor circumstance, Lord. How do you help me through this? Help me to see you in the middle of this. It can really get in the way. Each of us know very well. Money just has its way. Scripture's teach us in Matthew 6:24, you cannot serve two masters. You want a lifestyle of holiness? A lifestyle of holiness is setting yourself apart, saying, God, thank you for your goodness. Now here, where does it go from here? Whatever you have for me. And those are tests. Those are tests in our lives. What's the choice we're going to make?